The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. In this episode, I visited the Walsh Memorial Scout Flying School, being held at Wahoroa Aerodrome near Matamata. This annual two-week summer camp is designed purely to get young people with a passion for flying into the air, and in most cases, get them trained up to the point where they'll go solo. I spoke with numerous people at this year's camp, including staff and instructors, and some of the students. I started off by talking with Steve Scott, the flying school's chief flying instructor. I'm at the Walt Memorial Scout Flying School and I'm here with the uh, CFI or uh, chief flying instructor, Steve Scott. Hi Steve. Yeah, good day, Dave. How are you? Good, thank you very much. Can you give us, uh, just to start off with, a, a, a brief overview of the history of the Walsh Memorial Scout Flying School? Yes, uh, the, the school's been running for 52 years and it's a Walsh Memorial School based on the, on the, the efforts of the Walsh brothers who, who uh, started a, a, uh, a flying school in Auckland way back in about 1916 I think, I could be quite not corrected on that figure. I think you're about right there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And um, so the school started in uh, yeah, 52 years ago and then has been running every year since. So. And, the, and the purpose is uh, to take young people up to the solo flight Ab- level? Absolutely. Um, this year, for instance, we have 42 students, uh, first-timers or ab initio students, we call them. Uh, they will come through to, most of them will achieve their goal of flying solo in the two-week camp. Um, we have limited time in, in two weeks and most of them fly around about um, eight and a half to nine hours. Right. Right. Well, that's, um, that's quite impressive in two weeks these days, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is impressive, and uh, the time-wise, it might seem quite a low time to, to get someone away solo uh, in that time, but um, we put a lot of effort into the training. Uh, we have a, a really consistent training approach, and also it's very, it's, it's, they just eat, sleep, and think flying right. for the whole two weeks. Right. And they work as a team. They, they all work to support each other. That's why we achieve... Um, such a high target it's it's great yeah with that many students uh pushing through two weeks that many hours um the instructors must be really busy <laughs> they certainly are so we have um 76 students total that's 44 first timers and the rest of returns um, we have 17 training aircraft and 24 instructors uh, so each instructor will have roughly three students, and they are busy. Right. Yeah, they will fly some of them up to 50 hours in that two-week period. Okay. So um, the scout element of it, the, the students are all um, members of the scouting association, are they? No, not all of them are. No. It is a scout-run camp, and scouts have a priority. Um, after the scouts that wish to attend have been selected, then we'll select non-scouts. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, what's the criteria for the students? Um, you know, what sort of age and experience, and what's their application process as well? They need to be 16 years of age, or, or between 16 and 20 years of age, to uh, to attend the camp. We have had some that have turned 16 at the camp. Oh, right. Yeah, um, provided they, they do that, then we can still achieve it, our targets. The um, other requirement is um, they have to be uh, medically fit. Uh, we, we encourage them to get a class 2 um, medical through CAA, or they can do a DL, DL9 uh, transport license okay. with, with vision test yeah. yeah and that's the only requirements right okay. yeah and, and how do they go about uh, applying to come to the camp so it's all done through the uh, Walsh uh, Scout website uh, applications usually open in uh, March April and they are um, normally fill very very quickly yep. and unfortunately Every year there are some that can't make it here because um, we just can't take the numbers. Right. You know, the camp's at um, maximum capacity at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about the, um, the actual learning process when the, when the uh, students turn up here? Where do you start with getting them into that sort of the, the regime of learning to fly? Yeah. So we turn up here the day before the camp, the management team, and it's a paddock. Uh, the next day there's a air traffic control tower here, there's uh, a line of, of aircraft, there's a tent farm for the people, there's a big marquee goes up and we're a fully functioning flight training organisation uh, from day one right. and it's really impressive and, and that's the work of the scouts and the, uh, the instructors putting all that together. Yeah. We brief the students initially on about what they're trying to achieve and then uh, we have um, mass briefings for all the air exercises so effective controls of taxiing we start with effective controls 
uh, we briefed the 44 students um, at one lot because um, otherwise it would just take too many briefing rooms and too much instructor time. So the quality of the briefings is very high. They're um, audited every year by our team of highly experienced instructors to make sure that we're still um, achieving uh, the latest standard of, of briefing. Uh, so we're very happy with that. Yeah. The, the instructors are all uh, volunteers, they're, they're all given their, their spare time to do this? Absolutely, yeah. 24 instructors. Uh, we have instructors out of the airlines industries, out of the uh, flight training organisations and um, we also have instructors that uh, come from overseas. We're, we're having one coming out of Ireland every year to New Zealand to attend this camp and we've got one comes out of Hong Kong and has done for the last 25 years. Wow. Yeah. So these these are highly experienced crew and um, very experienced instructors. So we have a, a mix of A cat, a B cat and uh, and some C cat instructors. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I um, have picked up on is there's sort of a um, a family atmosphere. There's there's um, like there's generations of pilots, like the the, the sons and daughters of uh, previous uh, school attendees will then come along. Is that right? Yes, that's true. Yeah, um, we do family lots yeah. <laughs> as much as we can. Um, as I said earlier on, there's a lot of people apply for the camp, and, and uh, we can't make it successful for everybody. Yeah. So there are some that do. But yes, we do. We do. Uh, teach children and their sisters and brothers as they come through right. as well and um, uh, some of our senior instructors started here, went solo here and then came back as returns and then came back as instructors. Did you do this yourself when you were a teen? No, unfortunately I was from the deep south and I wasn't aware that the camp existed okay. uh, but um, I would have loved to have uh, known about it. Um, it's um, uh, it's well known up around this area and around Auckland and not so well known down the south which is a real shame because okay. it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful facility. Well we'll, we'll hopefully spread a bit of word for you. Yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how long have you been actually doing the, the camp for then? Uh, I've been coming here for 15 years. Okay. Yeah. In that time do you think there's been uh, a drop in the sort of air-minded teenagers or is there more around that are interested in aviation these days or any change? Well we're not seeing a change here. Um, we've certainly got a lot of very air-minded teenagers yep. here, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there a difference though uh, in the fact that these days teenagers are so much more um, sort of into the digital and technical side of things than maybe 15-20 years ago? Is there any difference in the way that they, they think about, um, you know, when it comes to learning to fly? Uh, when it comes to learning to fly, not so much, but we certainly see the, the digital influence when you walk through the, their, their uh, campsites and through the, through the rooms there where you've got 30 cell phones on charges, which we never had there <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> But um, aircraft, funny old thing, are getting extremely digital as well. So yeah. it, it's an attractive industry for someone who has a has a bend that way as well. Right. But we we uh, we start with the basics. It's still back for up and forward for down. Yep. Yep. All oh, right.
Um, do you have any idea what sort of percentage of students from the flying school will go on to aviation careers, whether in the Air Force or airlines or other commercial um, entities? Yeah, we do. It's around about 15 to 20 percent of them. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, it's actually quite high. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And I guess those industries would uh, look at um, on a CV of somebody who's done the Walsh Flying School, they'd look a lot more favourably than perhaps if they'd just come through Aero Club or... No, not, I wouldn't say necessarily, but uh, it does show the interest from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we had a careers evening here last night and we had uh, the um, air traffic controllers, we had the uh, flight training organisations, we had the Met Service, um, all the peripheral stuff around aviation as well, up presenting, talking to these kids about the, uh, the futures they have in the various roles. You don't actually have to fly an aeroplane to be a part of aviation, as you well know yourself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, I don't fly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about, uh, I mean this is a big camp you've got here, there must be a lot of support personnel that um, keep it running too, or is it, is it the instructors and students running everything from you know, the, the food and and all that. Well, I'd like to think so, but no, that's not the case. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely right. We have a we have a team uh, looking out, uh, looking after the kitchens, looking after the admin. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the total staff is is around fifty. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I guess that um, includes uh, you know you'll, you'll have probably security and fire people and engineers. Yes, we have, we're very uh, the air force very generously uh, give us three firemen and a and a fire tender to uh, attend the camp. Uh, airways bring their mobile tower in here and bring a team in as well to support the camp. And the scouts have uh, a lot of support people come in here as well to do the administrative side of it and the, and the kitchen side etc. And we also have um, net service have our own forecasters here. Okay, wow that's pretty cool. Yeah. Where do all the aircraft come from? Very generous uh, operators around the country allow us to use their aircraft for two weeks. Okay. Yeah, and that's um, it's a critical part of the team, obviously, and it is getting harder to source good aeroplanes. But we're very lucky to have the support of a lot of the operators around the country. So, are they uh, uh, aero clubs or are they private or a mix? A mix? Yeah, a mix of aero clubs uh, from as far away as uh, Machuaca and um, uh, privately owned aircraft, which uh, don't do a lot of work during the year, and they they allow us to use them. And, um, training organisations. Yeah. That's fantastic, really, it, when you think is. about it. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of money that must be involved in all, just those aircraft alone, and to loan them out, that's fantastic. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we really, really appreciate the support we get. Yeah. What's the What's the general day like here? Like uh, the schedule? Um, yeah, it kicks off at six o'clock in the morning, first light. In fact, it kicks off about half past five. The kids are getting out of their tents and uh, starting to uh, untie the aircraft, clean the windscreens, get their, they're ready for the first flight. So the first flight start at first light, which is six o'clock in the morning. Okay. And then we run hourly bookings all the way through till last flights at nine o'clock at night. So everything on the ground before, before CET. Yeah. Uh, so our instructors um, 
don't offer, don't work from six till nine, but we encourage them to manage their day and their, their uh, work levels. But they can fly any time between right. those hours. Yeah. It must be really the most active that this airfield ever gets um, these two weeks of the year. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> this airfield. Um, <laughs> you would, if you talk to uh, air traffic controllers, they will tell you this is the busiest airport in the southern hemisphere for two weeks. Wow, is that right? <laughs> yes. Wow, okay. Yeah. The number of movements we do here um, exceed any other ones in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and it's just little old Wakaroa <laughs> next to Batamata. Yeah, well. little old Wakaroa. So we have uh, our main runway has three run, three parallel runways on it, yep. and we can operate two, uh, not simultaneously, but very close to simultaneously, and that's the key to getting the number of movements we get through. Okay. Um, in our circuit, we can have up to ten aircraft in the circuit at any one time. Okay. Uh, some of those solo students. So are there, are there sort of exams that the students have to pass before they end the course? or Before they end the course, yeah. Part of their assessment is to see how much they've uh, learnt from their instructors and the briefings that we give them. Um, and we run a 50-question uh, exam paper and they're marked on that. And that goes towards their final assessment at the end of the camp. Okay. I'm guessing that some are being briefed and... They're doing the theory side of things in the classroom uh, at the same time as others are up flying so that there's um, you know two sort of two groups two, two things happening at once so so all the uh, the briefings the uh, tech the tech and the principles of flight briefings and the met briefing they're all done for all the ab initio students the whole 44 of them on the ground in the classroom uh, the return students did they would have done that last year or the year before yeah. So they're the ones that are up flying. Okay. Yeah. So at the moment, there's a, for instance, there's a briefing going on at the moment, so it's quite quiet out in the circuit. Yeah. When the briefing's finished, they'll be away again. There'll be uh, right. a lot more activity. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, and of course, something like this, you must have sponsors that are helping out as well. So do you want to talk about them? Absolutely. We are uh, very pleased to have the support of, of our sponsors. Airways providing the, um, the tower and the, and the staff, the Met Service, um, EBP, um, and Air New Zealand, a big supporter of the school, uh, allowing the instructors to be here and, and providing financial assistance. And uh, we just couldn't run the camp without that level of support. It just wouldn't happen. That's really brilliant, actually, when you think about how much the... the uh, aviation community, all the industry is uh, supportive of the camp. It's, and I guess for them it's part of their future as well, isn't it? Because a lot of these kids are going to come through. Yes, if you look at the projections for the pilot requirement in the years to come, the training organisations, the airlines, they need to encourage people straight out of school to choose aviation as a, as a career path. So it, it, they see this as quite important. Absolutely. And this is really the only camp of this style uh, in New Zealand, isn't it? I know the ATC does a shorter camp at, um, at Woodburn, but you haven't got any opposition. There's no, no one else really doing this, have you? Well, no, we don't have any opposition. If, 
I wouldn't like to think that we're ever competing against anybody. I think that was the wrong word that came out there. No, but it's a a really good point because uh, we would love to encourage this this sort of camp wherever it can be done. And ATC do, they do a great job there. Scouts run a a flying uh, camp as well, which is slightly, uh, certainly not to the level of this, but yeah. I mean, I'm an enthusiast. I just love seeing kids flying and I'd like to see it happen more. Great. Oh, thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, no worries. It's a a pleasure to talk to you, Dave. Cheers. I'm now talking with John Hamilton. Hi, John. Hi. And you're the director of this uh, flying school. This is my second uh, camp for the Walsh. Uh, I took over from Gordon Rag uh, last year. Okay. For right. the 2017. So, what does your your job involve here? Delegating, the <laughs> <laughs> responsibility. Well, basically to make sure that the the uh, ultimately the the ops flying side works smoothly and it is well supported by the camp and domestic side. There's a series of uh, coordination meetings during the year which get everything lined up and uh, it's amazing how we get here on the day before the students arrive and the tents all go up and everything looks pretty shipshape and aeroplanes arrive and come the day when first flights are uh, conducted, turn the key and it's all go. Fantastic. Do you get to do any flying yourself? I can. I haven't yet, but I will. Um, and I should mention that, uh, of course, you were Chief of Air Force for a while and uh, you've got a, a, a long Air Force background. Um, I guess this sort of camp is a little bit like the Air Force, isn't it? You've got uh, It's camp probably in... slightly more relaxed than the camps that I used to be <laughs> yeah. participating in in three squadron, but um, <laughs> I, I guess for me that makes it easier to, uh, to uh, kind of manage the, the thing because you're familiar with the sorts of issues that you might come across. Um, I do get accused of sitting on the veranda of the soaring centre drinking coffee and just watching aeroplanes. But I think that's because I'm supported by a bloody good team, which right. uh, which makes it run like clockwork. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> now there's, um, you mentioned that there's some prizes uh, involved here. Yeah, so out of the um, sponsorship that we enjoy from a wide variety of organisations, we are able to um, give awards and scholarships if you like at the end of the camp. There are some students here who have scholarships uh, to get to the camp but that's quite small Um, but at the end of the camp um, based on the assessments of their flying and their ground uh, instruction results and exams as well as their leadership and behavioural things that we notice around the camp we are able to um, give some of the kids some pretty good prizes um, which gives them the opportunity to go a little bit further in aviation. Um, to, so having gone solo, you might get a few more hours, um, more money for a few more flying hours so that you can be encouraged to get into the uh, sector. Wow, that's really, really great. You know, I, one of the things that I, I've always thought, particularly with my show too, I, I wanted to do more to get younger people involved and um, with my forum as well, there's a few younger people on there and. It's great that there's you know, older people who do encourage the young people, but seeing something like this where it's really actively happening, I, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, um, as Steve said, there's, there, there is a bit of a challenge in, in uh, making people aware of the opportunity that it presents. Um, 
we could probably, should probably do more to publicise it. But in a way, it's already oversubscribed. We have a wait list for uh, each camp. Um, so we don't think we're, we're not missing out um, by a long shot. Um, and we think we do a, a pretty good job at giving kids an introduction. And even in the two years that, that I've been doing it, I, I'm amazed that a lot of parents think that it's all about going solo. It is, but there's also a huge amount of personal development which takes place with these kids that turn up here. We're always bemused by the kids who have never, well some, for some of them, it's the first time they've left home. True. Yeah. And they're thrown in with all these other kids in the tent line and, and a bit of discipline instilled because that's what uh, aviation is about. It's certainly about self-discipline and, and, uh, and, and as well as confidence and, and for some leadership. Again, we're sort of bemused that have to be shown how to use a washing machine or even iron a shirt. But, uh, <laughs> it's all part of growing up. It's not a bad thing to, to get it all lined up. Yeah, yeah. I guess we all had to go through that at some stage in I life. I still remember recruit course probably taught you that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you ever have any, uh, like some of the younger ones get a little bit homesick or is there any problems with it? Yes, that? we do. Um, but again, there are, so we, we, we would say first that um, instructors are obviously um, experienced enough to and attuned to that sort of um, change in behaviours or issues. And we uh, have a, uh, what we call camp mum, yep. nurse, available on, on camp as well as other staff who see somebody who's not quite part of the team or, or might be having emotional problems and there's, there's various mechanisms we can use to, uh, to try and sort them out. The other one that always happens during this time of the year is that NCA results come out right. and that can be a plus and a minus for, <laughs> yeah. for some of the students. Uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> we're, we're extremely lucky to have Matter Matter. Um, so the, the Matter Matter airfield and the, the history of the Matter Matter airfield has been widely canvassed on the, on the uh, site anyway. But because it's, it's such a big airfield, now that's as Steve said, we operate uh, three lanes on the, um, on the on 2810. Yep. But we wouldn't be able to operate if we didn't have the facilities, the camping ground facilities, the kitchen, the ablution block, the soaring centre and the accommodation block, which is just matter matter because yep. of the gliding fraternity. And tremendous support from the uh, Matter Matter Piaco uh, Council, who's, who's real estate it is. So without that, we wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to replicate it at choose an airfield, um, yeah. unless you had the similar sorts of standing accommodation, because it would be terrible if you had to use portaloos for two weeks, or bucket yeah. showers, or all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. you know, that's just not on. It changes the learning environment, so we're extremely lucky. So this, I don't think the um, flying school's always been here, has it? I think it used to move around or something, didn't it? No, 52 years. Always here? In Matamata. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. okay. So uh, we're, we're in the 52nd camp. Yep. Yeah. It's probably, I don't know when it got bigger, um, it's probably at its, its maximum about now. Okay. Uh, I don't think you could handle any more than 70 students. I'm guessing when it started it would have been tiger moths and osters and things like that. Or? 1967, I don't say much about tiger moths, what would have it been? Um, oh, frescoes. <laughs> 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 the 
it's a cruise gate just <laughs> going past. Um, and um, it's not one of the campy aircraft either. Just <laughs> no. no, we started with Piper Cubs, Air Tourers, oh, yep, uh, yep. 140 Cherokees. So in 1967 basically was the first camp. Yep. Started by uh, George Arkley, who was a scout commissioner and a World War II pilot, I think. Uh, very interested in aviation, and, and he basically set the uh, the sort of principles of how the school operates. So that principle about we will using scouts initially, um, we will give kids an introduction to aviation, and through that development, personal development, you you walk around, you see it. Um, yeah. Yesterday and today, when we've got uh, kids going solo first solo, you, you, you see the, the beams on the faces and the, and the confidence that it gives them and it's a huge achievement. We've had, I think we've had two birthdays while we've been on camp where the kids have turned 16, so of course you've got to be 16 before you can go solo, so they, they, they turned 16 a number of days ago and now they're flying solo. There are kids here who are going solo before they've got driver's licences. Right, right, wow. And it's a, it's a, it's a superb activity. One of the comments we, we like to make when the parents are dropping the kids off and they're concerned about them is that they'll arrive here as kids but we'll send them back as young adults. And um, so often we hear from the parents about how true that actually is. They said their young child comes back a different person altogether from what when they left. It's, it's very, very rewarding that sort of thing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Jess. Yeah, no, good as well. Well, I'm talking with Rod Moon, one of the uh, long-time instructors here. Hi Rod. Hi, uh, nice to see you here Dave. Cheers. Tell me about how you got involved in this. Well, I was uh, a young pilot, perhaps a little bit too bold, and uh, I was flying uh, way back in 1968 on the coast, uh, Paraparam, crossing the straits back and forwards. Senior civil aviation inspector uh, was at Paraparam, the aerodrome was closed, and he uh, said he'd like to uh, give me a coffee if I w wished to stop in. Um, this was a polite term for somebody who was not perhaps obeying the rules totally and uh, he'd like to have a chat right. and a uh, nice gentleman. Um, he uh, called me in and uh, I had a, a cup of coffee with me and uh, he said to me uh, there are old pilots and bold pilots but uh, he didn't know too many old bold pilots so I assumed that George Ackley was being a total gentleman <laughs> and uh, was trying to warn me that my type of flying uh, should perhaps be uh, amended. So I listened to him and uh, changed my ways a little bit and he later rang me that year and invited me to his school. However I felt that it was uh, very official and uh, I was operating about five aero clubs at that stage and a very junior pilot and I felt perhaps it was too official for me to come to. But some years later when I joined the airlines in 1971 uh, the airlines asked for volunteers to come and instruct down here and I came down officially uh, to meet a very nice bunch of people, many of them Second World War pilots and instructors from that era, and I've uh, been coming back whenever I'm invited since. I've thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Excellent. So um, who do you remember from those early days? You mentioned some World War II pilots. Yes, well of course there was uh, George Arkley, 
And to answer that sensibly, I'd probably have to sit down and uh, start writing a list. Hugh Skilling was another one who was uh, well known. And his son, indeed, uh, appears in aviation these days. Yes, uh, Keith, yeah. Um, there were many others. I look back over the years, I'd probably have to sit down and make a list to make it competent. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. wouldn't want to miss people out <laughs> who deserve to be in. So you've been coming here for 40 years? Approximately that time. Not every year. Yeah. Uh, there have been times when I haven't, and... Uh, I had a melanoma problem uh, back about 2002, so my licence was cancelled for four years, and uh, I didn't come then. But otherwise, I've always come okay. when I'm invited. And, and how has it um, changed over those uh, over the four decades? Tremendously. Um, I would hate to say that it started off Rafferty's rules, but it was uh, much less regulated, and uh, conditions were very different. Um, the effects of uh, OSH and civil aviation regulations have, I'm sure, made it a much safer place. Um, demonstrations and things are now held at a 200-foot altitude and well away from the public in the front. That has not always been the story. Right. And uh, some of the uh, demonstrations were a, uh, perhaps a lot more exciting at the time, being allowed to be carried out extremely close to the runway and very low. Right. The sound effects were uh, much more effective, I'll yes. Bet. <laughs> but that's no longer permitted. And... Uh, we are now far more regulated. Okay. Okay. So you must have seen a lot of uh, the students from here go on to aviation careers and I have indeed. later on? Yes, and uh, many of them, uh, we wind up flying with them around the world or we meet them in different places. And uh, it has been a great pleasure for instructors coming back to meet the students from so long ago. And indeed, many of the instructors here now uh, ex-Walsh students, as you'll find yep. when you walk around and talk to the different people. You'll find many of them are here. Okay. Can you tell me about George Arkley himself? Um, well, George sadly died young. Um, he, I believe, had a heart condition and uh, died in his late 50s. He was a very energetic person who uh, uh, set up the school and uh, was a senior civil aviation inspector at the time for civil aviation. His contacts allowed him to obtain aircraft Air Force people came here, a lot of Air Force instructors, and we had a lot of Air Force planes here in those days too, which was a lot of fun. Mm. Okay. Uh, so are you still instructing now? Are you still flying? I still fly. Um, I still run a Class 1 because around about 1992 they changed the rules. As I said, everything's becoming a little more correct and tighter, yeah. and uh, it's required to hold a Class 1 licence, which is difficult as you get older yeah. because the goalposts get more narrow. So you have to be very careful to be fit with blood pressure in the right place and uh, everything else when you go for a licence every year. It requires a Class 1 licence to instruct in New Zealand. However, the situation's a little strange because I can instruct on exactly the same aircraft under a microlight category, under a different licence I hold, which uh, requires the equivalent of a truck driver's medical. Okay. So uh, a very different standard. Uh, right. So the laws uh, will change and be tidied up at different times, no doubt, as they see appropriate. Yeah. Everything's changing. The yeah. world is changing. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully for the better, not always. Yeah, well, I guess uh, hopefully safer. Yes, yeah. I do think so. 
and I think uh, aviation generally, statistically wise, uh, the number of accidents for heavy jets has improved for the distances and number of people carried. Yeah. Um, it has become safer yeah, definitely. considerably over the last 20 or 30 years. So um, you mentioned that you got into the airlines and uh, what were you flying? Um, I started off at National Airways uh, flying the F-27 Friendship, well known around the provinces, and uh, then flew the 737, um, 7, changed to Air New Zealand, flew the 767, um, 747s, the 200 series, the 400, uh, very happy with the four engines, a lot of redundancy, um, great aeroplanes, but of course not as fuel efficient as the modern ones, and uh, Two engines now is the normal over water. When we first started with the 737 for the Pacific and also the 767, it was very experimental and uh, we had to work out very careful diversion points uh, if we had an engine failure. But engines are consistently becoming more reliable and more efficient, so two engines are now the normal. Right, right, okay. I guess uh, a lot of the young people here now they wouldn't really have had the experience of flying on a 747. There's not many of them around anymore, are there? Yes, it's uh, sad to hear that, but they are all being mothballed, and uh, it's only about a year ago uh, one of the pilots took one over to America to mothball, yeah. and it was the last of the Air New Zealand 747s, yeah. yes. End of an era. It was the end of an era, and the pilot was Hugh Dillator, as I remember. He, okay. he took it over the park. Okay. So. Is there anything else that you can think of that... Uh, sort of sums up the camp or, or sums I up the I think, yes there is. I, I would sum it up by saying it has made a tremendous difference to young people's lives. Um, they emerge, find things they're interested in, find abilities that maybe they thought they might have or didn't have. Um, I suppose you could say they uh, they mature in a hurry here and it's, it's an event in their lives which when you talk to them later uh, as they grow up and become older it was a major event in their lives and uh, important and um, transforming I suppose you could say and many of them decided on their future careers and future um, at the Walsh people they met, opportunities they could see available um, it did things for them and uh, I I hate to use the word uh, to see them grow up rapidly but uh, there's got to be a better word for that Dave (laughs) I know what you mean though yeah, I yeah. Know what you mean. yeah, it's a big thing in their lives. Yeah. That's yeah. fantastic, and and you've been you've been doing that for young people for you know the last four decades. That's a, a great uh, dedication that you've you've put in there. I feel I don't do much for society. A lot of my friends uh, do um, what you might call good work in the community, and uh, my skill is is flying. So therefore, if I can put it back into the flying community, uh, I can give something back. I'm fit retired and enjoy doing it. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Rod. Thanks, really Dave. appreciate it. Well, I'm talking with Andrew Sims, one of the instructors. Hi, Andrew. Good day. How are you? Good, good. Can you um, tell me how you got involved with the uh, Walsh Flying School? Yeah, well, so I started here back in 2004 and came here as a student and pretty much didn't stop coming since. So this will be my 13th year in total. Right. Um, I've just missed two years out of all of them. So went through the ranks as a student uh, and pretty much went 
from there and student staff and then came back as an instructor okay. and didn't stop. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, after having been uh, a student here, mm. where, where did your aviation career go on to? Yeah, so after being a student here, I um, it was a bit wishy-washy for me, but I started off doing my theory at Nelson Aviation College. Uh, went on from there to Bayflight uh, in Tauranga, where they were at the time. Uh, instructed there for a few months and then um, had different jobs about the place, uh, skydiving, uh, survey work. Uh, now I'm doing a chief flying instructor job at Wellington Air Club. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So I've been there the last three years and... And uh, luckily they let me come up here, which is very uh, uh, gracious of the committee to do so. Um, so yeah, and we bring two planes up. We've got the big uh, green Nanchang out there and Whiskey Alpha Charlie as well. Okay. Yeah, so um, really good of the club to do that for us. I yeah. didn't even realise that Wellington had a Nanchang at the club. Yeah, we do, yeah, syndicate-owned chain. Um, it's about 13 guys in that. And um, yeah, they um, actually very kindly sponsor the uh, ferry flights there and back. Um, and ASL's also sponsored us $1,000 to subsidise the students, so we give them a 20-minute flight um, for about $70, which is, which is pretty good for a, uh, a warbird, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty awesome machine to throw about for them. Um, so we're starting to, starting to tack through those a bit, which is good. Okay. Yeah. So as an instructor here at the Walsh Flying School, mm. um, what's your day like? Uh, busy. <laughs> it depends. If the weather's good, we don't stop. Yeah. So take for example yesterday, uh, 10 flights um, up at 6, flying at 7 uh, and didn't stop till 9 o'clock last night. Okay. Um, I've been allocated two first year students and a return student as well. So um, the main focus uh, of course is um, uh, flying with the Abinitios, although the focus of the school isn't to get them solo but that is one of the big achievements that we do aim for. Yeah. Um, the, the, the focus of the school really is to give them a broad introduction in a in a good first step into aviation. Yeah. 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 Is it different uh, from Aero Club instructing? Is, is there more pressure because of the, sh the, the two week period? Or uh, I mean safety wise we have to be careful of that kind of pressure. Um, yes we've got eight and a half hours and it does in the back of your head but you can only do what you can do in that two weeks at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, it is a, sub, a subtle subconscious pressure, but at the end of the day we, we know that we can't push what we can't push. Um, and similarities, era club instructing, I mean, there's, there's difference in uh, uh, culture and I guess the school's pretty unique, it has its own culture and it's got its traditions of having traditions and um, at the end of the day the instructing is all the same, the principles are all the same, um, but how we go to, about our day is much different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what about the sort of camp life here? I mean, do the instructors have uh, more luxury than the kids? <laughs> yes, somewhat. If you go poke your nose in the tents, you'll see uh, uh, they're, they're pretty kitted out. We've got fridges and and lighting and uh, you know double double queen airbeds and all that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, we we do have that little bit more luxury. I guess the kids don't know that. I I, I don't know. It's probably changed since I was here back in the day. I slept on a stretcher in a, in a little two-man pup tent the first year I came. It was a bit of a challenge. Um, but you learn very quickly. You need a bit of space. Um, yeah, need a bit of space to uh, uh, to have your you know your little your little home away from home. So. Um, yeah, it depends on what they have, but I think instructors do have a little bit more luxury. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. What what brings you back every year? What's, what what draws you back? Oh, there's a number of things. One, I you know I love um, taking someone from scratch up to first solo in two weeks. 
um, and you know, seeing the joy on the kids' faces when they can do that. I sent um, both my first year students today, um, first solo, um, one of which was a bit uh, teary, joys of tears, yeah, tears of joy, sorry. Um, so it's cool, it's cool to see the smile on their face when they actually achieve something and go from no idea all the way up to, yeah, all the way up to, um, uh, you know, flying a plane by themselves, which is, which is pretty cool. And that feeling in itself is enough to get you back here. Bet, yeah, but at the same time, you know, I've got all my friends here as well. Um, all the return kids, you know, they, they get to know the instructors, so um, they become friends over time. And, and yeah, it's it's just the general vibe of the place that gets you here. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you find yourself, like, through the year, recommending to young people to, yep. to apply? Yeah, definitely, yeah. So uh, if we have young kids coming through the club and they're 15 going 16, uh, I might recommend to them... Uh, to go to the Walsh, which is a bit of a detriment to the club because we don't get those flying hours until they come back. But in the long run, if they win a prize, then they're back at the club. So I do recommend it, and we've had um, we've had about we've had one or two students from our club go to the Walsh. Uh, one was last year, or uh, the last two years, sorry. Uh, and then we also have kids coming from the Walsh to the club. So yeah, we, we get about two a year, one or two a year that come through. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's a really uh, it's almost a unique way of getting young people into flying, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's completely unique. I mean, uh, this was my footstep into it. I was going to go to a venture camp, uh, had all my money saved up, and then when I went to register online, uh, I, I saw uh, there's a Walsh flying school, which I always had an interest in flying. That's, that could be more fun than a, a venture camp. I'm not going to tell the, the venturers that, but um, what is a venture camp at the end of the day? And uh, so, so yeah, I uh, signed up for that, got a scholarship last minute, and uh, here I am. That's <laughs> 14 years later, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it really is a unique start, and it's actually a great footstep up because we've got so many people from the industry here, from, uh, from GA all the way to airlines and everything else in between that connectors, mentors and advice for where they want to go in their career. And not just that, uh, Airways, Fire Rescue, Air Force, everything, it's, it's all here for them to, I guess, find what they want to do in their future. Um, and a large proportion come out of the school and go into aviation in some form or another. Uh, you can see Jace over there, He's he was, um, uh, he was in my group when I was a kid. Um, when I was the flight leader here, and uh, he's now Airways back on tower. Okay. Um, Calvin Campbell, who came to the, the second or third Walsh or something like that, um, he's still instructing here to this day. So, um, yeah, people come back and people end up in the industry. Do you also find that um, with uh, the people that you're on the camp with, do you, do you keep in touch oh, afterwards? Yeah. And, oh, definitely, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you got your closer friends that you keep in touch with, I see a lot of them over the year frequently. Um, a lot of them are friends through other aviation circles as well, um, and others you just bump into at the terminal. <laughs> so yeah. if, you're, if you're in a terminal somewhere and you just bump into them, it's, it's, it's not a big uh, community in that sense. So yeah, you, you, you definitely keep lifelong friendships from here. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well thanks very much. Andrew. No worries mate, yeah, yeah, awesome. anytime. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of the camp. Yeah, cheers. cheers. <laughs>
Yes, so uh, the Walsh here, we've, we've got uh, 16, well in this year in fact 17 uh, two-seat aircraft which we're using for Abinishio training and these aircraft come from uh, a fairly wide area around the North Island from uh, Nelson, uh, Wellington, uh, Hawke's Bay, Tauranga, Auckland, Whanuapai, uh, so we get them wherever we can, uh, we can source them. They come in various conditions, uh, with various times on the, available on them for us to use, and we we try and get them so that they've got at least 50 hours available before the next scheduled maintenance. So when that time is up, uh, they usually go to a, um, a base uh, to a maintenance engineer. Uh, we've got uh, Tauranga, um, there's engineers over there, that's where our engineer uh, lives. Yep. Some of the other uh, aircraft, uh, their maintenance uh, providers are there's one at Mercer uh, and um, uh, the 172 that we've got here, his provider is uh, Hamilton Aero over in uh, Hamilton. Okay. Which, yep. uh, they've been across to do a little uh, job on, on that one. The rest of the uh, little bits and pieces that are required on the, on the aircraft are done under pilot maintenance. Um, and the privileges uh, that are available on uh, within the civil, civil aviation rules. Yep. So um, that's done under the approval of a, of a licensed engineer and uh, works quite nicely. Cool. So how long have you been involved? I came uh, to the school as a student back in 1971. Right. So, <laughs> um, uh, so this is, yeah, so this is the 48th one I've been at initially as a student. Wow. And uh, then continued on in various jobs and currently looking after the flight operations side of things. Okay, and what does that involve? It's, uh, a lot of it is book work, um, recording uh, times, making sure the systems are, are there. We've got a computer system now. Yep. In the old days uh, it was a, um, a folder with a card for each student or each person on camp in fact that any expenses and any flying times were recorded on and that uh, was entered after each flight or each expense and had to be cross-checked every night yep. with the daily flying sheet and that was some very long hours adding up numbers in hours and minutes um, which we used to get into the swing of things for two weeks and then wait for another year and have to get back into the swing of it um, but now the computer system works works very well and uh, but it still needs a lot of cross-checking it's the fact that we're only here for two weeks means that everything has to be done in a good time. Um, yeah. so otherwise, everyone's, if you don't have it done in a good time, they, they want to pay their money, but they, if it's not complete, then they are unable to pay their money, and right. we've got to follow up later on. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this situation, computer, mm, it's supposed to be paperless, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Usual story, really, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we get through a bit of paper and, and that. But the students uh, are good at um, usually filling in, uh, filling in things on the computer. They've grown up with computers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and and this age group learning to fly at this age, you know, they grow up with that, and uh, they they progress quite well. Um, we've just over there. There's a uh, student that was here what uh, three years ago. He's been away. Um, down at Nelson and qualified. Uh, he's now got a commercial twin instrument rating okay. and uh, he's now working for what he said was Farmer's Air yep. uh, as a loader driver. Foot right. in the door yep. Yep. and um, so that's you know, our students go, go everywhere yeah. and a good number of our students have, uh, are in major airlines 
and come back here to instruct. So it's a fairly high proportion this year of people. It's great, isn't it? It is. And I guess uh, over the years you must have seen a lot of them uh, come and go and, and return. and. Definitely a lot of them, and then they uh, they they arrive here, and you're scratching your head now. I I, I remember that face, and uh, uh, can't quite remember the, the names. We've got you know, there's, uh, forget how many people that have been through the school. Um, so it's quite a quite a large number, and, uh, and a reasonable number continue in in flying as well. It's it's amazing, really. Uh, what I've been sort of picking up here is it's a real foundation of. Um, all sorts of areas of aviation. There's people gone onto all sorts of careers. Really, it's, it's pretty neat. Oh, sure is. And uh, uh, some of the earlier people that, uh, when I was more of a student, uh, that came here, they've, they've started their own uh, engineering businesses, um, uh, their own airlines. Um, they've got into Air New Zealand, into the Air Force, and then out of the Air Force into. Um, it's a, it's a progression, and they've got to take every opportunity that they can just to continue their flying. If you stay stationary, you don't progress. Yeah. Um, just don't get the bug um, is really the key thing. Yeah. And the students, when they leave here, well, they don't really want to leave. Um, but they arrive nervous, don't know anyone, and uh, very quickly after they arrive, they're helping others to uh, put, or they're putting up their own tent, helping others to put up their tent. And they become part of one big team, yeah. and they're you know, friends for life after after this. Certainly after going solo in an aeroplane. Yeah, that's so. It's such a great uh, education, really, isn't it, for these young people to um, learn all these life skills along the way. It is, and there's you know a reasonable number that are not driven a car, but they will go flying in an aeroplane. Yep. And you think, yeah, I wonder what their parents are thinking. They don't really have confidence in them in, in driving the, the car but come here and fly an aeroplane um, with a, a, an extra dimension yep. and uh, so that should give the parents a little bit more confidence uh, and, uh, um, and just let them do their their thing. Um, various parents have, uh, have commented uh, over the years that they've been um, uh, not sure about their kids and uh, after they've gone back home and they've they just say, oh, they have changed so much from not wanting to do things, you know, typical teenager type thing, yeah. to um, to you know, getting up at a reasonable time, um, doing the, the jobs that have to be done, don't have to be asked to do things, and so, and so on. They're just so changed after this two-week experience. That's fantastic, isn't it? Oh, it sure is. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, David. Welcome. Cheers. Cheers. Um, now I'm talking with uh, Jeshneel Singh. Hi. Hi. Uh, you're another instructor here at the camp? Yes, I am. I'm one of the junior instructors here. Okay. Can you tell me about your journey through um, how, you, how you got to uh, be an instructor here? Um, so I started off um, five years ago, actually, um, here at the Welsh. Um, I went first solo here. Um, and I loved it so much that I came back the next year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that, <laughs> as a student. And then um, last year came back as student staff. Sorry, as a staff member, sorry, as a refueler, and then um, I finished, I did my CCAT end of last year, and then 
um, I caught up Steve and, he, and I asked him if I can instruct him. He said, of course, so back here again. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, between the camps, uh, where, where did your aviation uh, training and, and all that happen? Yeah. Um, so when I did my first solo here, the first year at the Welsh, um, I went back and did a couple of flights with the Auckland Aero Club. Um, and then my second year, I did a couple of flights with um, in the Auckland Aero Club again. Um, and as soon as I finished um, flying, sorry, high school, I joined up with Southern Wings. I did my PPL with them, CPL with them, and while I was doing my PPL, I came to Walsh here. Um, finished up my CPL year before last, and as a while I was here um, last year as the chief refielder. Um, I had a CPL but not a CCAT, that's okay. hence the reason I was a chief refielder. Yep. Um, and then did my CCAT again last year with them. End of pretty much the end of last year, and then as soon as I finished that, came in and, um, uh, my first instructing experience here. So yeah, it's been really positive. Excellent. And so, how many students have you got? I've got three students. Okay. Yeah. And I've are they all new? Or? I've got two new students and one return student. So he's um, so it's a mix of um, initial training to like further on in the career. What's the um, what's the mix between uh, male and female students here at the camp? Um, it's actually getting better actually. Um, when I first joined, when I first came to Walsh, um, it'll be somewhere like five or six, probably, well not even that, um, four or five girls. Now it's probably gone up to like seven or eight or even like ten or eleven girls. Okay. So over the years it's, it's actually like gone up the number of girls and it's actually nice to see. Excellent. So as, the, as an instructor this year, um, is it sort of when you first started doing it here, uh, as a new experience, was it uh, sort of natural or, or were you a bit nervous about starting off? Um? Um, yes, I, I was a bit nervous about starting up and I was just, because um, I've never instructed before and I was only never instructed before and I was just really nervous. But yeah, I had um, I talked to Steve and he said just, just relax, we're here to, um, he calls it like you know it's called supervision but he calls it support yep. so it's called support so you know we're here to support you know anytime you need us and just come see us and just just follow the syllabus and so I was like yeah and anytime I need to um there's other cats around and um because I'm, I'm assigned to to my flight commander but um I don't technically really have to go to my flight commander if I can find them, if there's another beacon instructor around I can always ask them and I have and they've just given me um advice on you know how to do things differently and it's helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess for the students, the students as well that are brand new to mm. flying, it must be very reassuring to have a, an instructor who's been through exactly the same thing they've mm. been through. Um, and and that's one of the amazing things about this camp is that all yeah. the instructors have sort of been through. Been it. through, yeah, yes. Um, yeah, and saying that, um, flight one actually, um, all our instructors have been solo at the Walsh. Um, yeah. And yeah, so with my students. I've been through the experience and I know what to like how daunting it can be um, and so what I try to do is because I've been there and there's things I'm not usually sure of but I never ask so I just tell them you know like I've been through a situation and these things that you know I wasn't sure of so I mean if you're not sure of it ask me you know and I'll tell you so and they do so which is which is quite good oh, you like that yeah. um, where do you see your aviation career going um, in the future um, I still want to instruct, I still want to come back to instruct um, here. Um, I want to be, you know, I want to be here for the next 25 years. Um, I want to carry on the legacy. Yep. Um, I mean, I've just started, but, you know, five years ago, um, I said that I'm going to come back and instruct, and I did that. So now I want to come back every year as a, do a 
where BK can make every year and um, hopefully one day can make us a flight commander you know just be here as one of those people that's, that carry, carries on their legacy and then um, hopefully end up with the New Zealand too I really want to be with the New Zealand okay. but probably yeah good luck yeah thank you very much yeah. cheers thank you very much cool. thank you very much I'm sitting here with uh, two more of the instructors and I've got Janelle Rouse and Tessa Mowbray. How long have you been involved with the, the Walsh? I first came here in 2008 and 2009 and Tessa was actually my instructor back oh, right. in 2009. Okay. Um, so in total I've been involved for seven years and five years as an instructor now. Cool. Yeah. And how about you? Um, my total time at the Walsh has been about 10 years instructing and um, I've had a few years off in between, so it's probably been about 13 years ago that I started coming to the Walsh. Okay. It's quite young, brand new CCAT instructor, and yeah. Okay, so you came here as an instructor, you didn't do it as a student? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I believe you're both uh, airline pilots now? Yeah, I am a first officer on the ATR from Mount Cook Airline. Yep, cool. And I'm a first officer on the A320 for Air New Zealand. Right, okay. So, um, tell me about the, uh, the your, your sort of day as an instructor at the Walsh. What, what's the average day like for you? So Tessa and I get up very early in the morning to fly mm-hmm. with our students. Um, this year I have two Abinitio students and one return student who is his third year back here. And Abinitio students, it's their first year here. Um, so, since the start of the school we've gone through all of the uh, lessons to take them up to, hopefully, um, first solo level. My two students working towards that but yeah for the instructor there can be anywhere between two to six eight flights a day um, with their respective students okay right. and your day is much the same Jessica? yeah so I tend to be the first one up to go flying <laughs> get up about 5 30 sometimes 5 to get out and get airborne about 6 a.m because it's the most smoothest time to go flying for the kids and it's just nice for them um, and yeah, I've, I've only got two Abinitio students this year and my goal is to obviously hope that they have fun yep. and then secondly try to get them to achieve their wings and go solo. So that does start with um, lessons out in the training area away from what we call the circuit pattern and once we build their ability to actually fly a circuit by teaching them to climb, descend, turn um, and fly straight and level we then bring them back into the circuit to hopefully get them to a level that they can then fly by themselves. Okay. Um, and Janelle and I being B category instructor instructors, we can actually send them solo. Right. Mm. So how many uh, students in total, not just this year, but in total would you have sent solo here? Uh, I haven't been coming here for as long as Tess, but I would expect mine would be somewhere in the region of 8 to 10, because we usually have two urban issues each year. Okay. Yeah, I could be upwards of sort of 25 because I send, um, when I've been in charge of, of some C category instructors, I've had to send their students solo as well yeah. as mine. So and I generally do about two of my own a year and then on top of that, the C cat. That's, um, that, that's pretty cool that you've sent all those young people into aviation really that yeah. started their career. 
Yeah, well, hopefully. Yeah, yeah I mean, Janelle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, apart from Janelle, do you meet many others come through um, in New Zealand that you've you've seen at the camp here or, or yeah, known at the absolutely. camp? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And it's really awesome to see. It's really fun catching up with everyone yeah. when you're in the crew room. And, yeah, and even if they're not the pilots, like, a lot of them are, like, there's a guy here this year who's a bag of Chandler. Um, a lot of them work front of desk as well. So even if they're not necessarily involved with the flying part of aviation, they certainly, you know, they might be going to airways and you talk to them in the tower or see them at other parts of right. New Zealand, yeah. Right, right, so it starts them on an aviation career even yeah. if it's not a pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a large portion of people, um, I mean, there's certainly people who come here for the experience and then don't pursue a career, but um, a lot of them keep it up as a hobby. But yeah. I came here with no intention of doing this as a career. And okay. 11 years later, here I am. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, that's pretty interesting. You had no desire to pick No, up. I was going to uni to train to be a paramedic, and yeah, then I left and went flying instead. Wow. And did yeah. this camp have something to do with that? Oh, absolutely. Mindset? Yeah, because yeah. I got into this through school and then, yeah, just loved it, so I continued doing it. I mean, she had a great instructor. <laughs> <laughs> of, course, of course. In my second year. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, tell me. The, um, the number of students each year are sort of proportionate of uh, boys to girls. Is, is there a lot of girls coming through? or um... It's not normally totally equal, is it? No. No, no. but they're definitely... This, it's quite a cool environment because there are a lot of females that do tend to get involved in the Welsh, which is right. pretty awesome. Yeah. That is good. Yeah. yeah, we've got quite a good group of female instructors here as well. A, a, a wide range of ages, so um, and experience levels, and experience well. levels, mm. yeah. So it is really cool. So I guess in that sense, you're both role models for the girls. Uh, I mean, and for the boys as well, of mm. course. But um, do you sort of uh, see yourself as that to try and get girls into aviation? We're certainly like a fir- being here, where it's their first, most of them, their first ever experience with aviation mm. ever. It's certainly. And with a lot of them, especially the female students I've had in the past who have wanted to pursue a career, we're their first point of contact going forward. Because they kind of think, oh, I know her from the Walsh. Yeah. I've chatted to her about this, this and this. Um, she might be able to give me some guidance on what to do next. Um, yeah. And Janelle um, is involved in a mentor mm. program for young females outside okay. of the Walsh. Um, just any female that would be interested in aviation. Uh, there's a team of, of ladies to, that have got together to try, and even men, eh? Yeah, so are, men t- mentors are men as well mm. from various parts of New Zealand, so Mount Cook, Ennis, and even on the A320. Just to really try and get more females. Air New Zealand's really pushing to try and help get more females yeah. into the industry. Uh, and I believe that Air New Zealand um, has much more of a um, much of, much of a higher um, proportion of females than most airlines around the world, haven't they? I think. I, I wouldn't know the answer. No, to that. I don't yeah. either. Okay. I know that it's still comparatively low. Like, I think yeah. we're looking at about 10% still, yeah. but that is better than certainly what it used to be. Yeah. 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 So what's the name of the group that you are involved in, the, the mentor group? So it's called the Air, well, the Air New Zealand um, Women's Women's Mentor Program. Okay. Um, so we started it last year. Um, it was uh, one of the ladies who works at Mount Cook and um, a guy from Air New Zealand, and they... Essentially, we got it here working last year so that a number of the female students could sign up. Yeah. Um, they have a mentor and we contact them probably two or three times a year and more frequently if um, they approach us for information and we also have the opportunity to take them out to work with us for a day. Oh, so they right. can see what, 
Um, it's like in an airline job. That would yeah. be really cool. Yeah, yeah and a lot of them, it, it, it really has cemented that, yeah, this is what we want to do. And even just chatting to a few of the girls here this year, they're, again, super keen on it. Cool. I know the Air Force has recently started doing that too. They have special um, week-long events where they just get females who are interested in aviation and, and particularly the Air Force, and they, they're putting on special events just for young ladies to do that. And I think yeah. that's really pretty cool. I did see that. It's great. We also, um, they do have a prize here at the school. It can go to a male or female. Um, again, that they go and get to spend a week on base, either at I think it's at Fenoopai or Haikia that they do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doing it, yeah. So what, what are you instructing on here at the moment, what aircraft? Both of us fly the 152. I've been getting a little bit of stick this year because I don't have a type rating on the Tomahawk. <laughs> <laughs> and Janelle's been getting a bit upset because no one's, no one's giving me any grief for not no. having one. Just Janelle. <laughs> so whenever she tries to throw me under the bus, they're all like, no, Janelle, this isn't about Tess. This is about you. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> so there's obviously a really good um, social element here as well, like everybody mixing and, and it must be great for getting those contacts in the in the industry for these young people. Yeah, certainly. Mm. Um, I think m most of my students that I've had, it'd be about 50-50 I think with them pursuing career and not, and certainly the ones who do, do keep in touch. Yeah. Even if it's just for stuff like um, information about exams or information on the schools, because I know when I was here, um, I didn't really know much, but Tessa worked at Bayflight and so I was like, oh, that sounds like a great place to go. But being here and in the environment of people coming from so many different backgrounds and we have instructors that do work full-time as an instructor, people from the airlines, people who, like there's a guy here who flies a Coast Guard plane up and um, Kitty Kitty, so there's just such a wide range of areas that people are involved in within aviation in New Zealand that the kids can gain a lot of yeah, knowledge for them. It almost seems a shame that it's only two weeks a year, really. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two, two weeks is uh, about the limit that you can handle um, being in a hot, sticky camp. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is amazing. It's probably one of the coolest things I get involved in every year. Cool. And I always go back to this one girl that I had that was quite naughty. Um, this is back at quite a long time ago when people were actually allowed to smoke on the airfield yeah. and she was a smoker and she was a little bit non-interested in what was going on and I wasn't her instructor but I watched her develop and in the end they managed to get her solo and it was like a change in her whole person yeah. she just looked happy she looked like she had just realized that she could actually achieve something pretty crazy yeah. and that was probably one of the turning points for me I thought oh this place is cool you know really the best kind of boot camp you could have really isn't it? Yeah it is and it's they all have to work together and they yeah it is it's really cool they learn a lot of skills. They do and they're not just responsible for themselves while they're here as well like as much as they come here to learn how to fly they also take care of things in the kitchen and yep. um, tying down the airplanes at night and they have a lot of other roles in the school other than just showing up to briefings and flying with your instructors so it really is a like a journey of how do you say self it like self-development that's it yeah <laughs> where yeah, a lot of the kids come in here and haven't really ever had to get themselves up, mum and dad have, and now they're having to be up at 5.45 to come and fly with me. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Cheers.
Okay, well, I'm going to talk with some of the students here now and I'll just go around the circle. I've got five young students here. Um, to my left, I've got Jack Boyd. G'day. And uh, next to him, I've got Jacob Merson. Hey, how's it going? And uh, you don't have a label, so... I'm Rachel Mackey. And you're... I'm Ella Williams. Ella Williams. And Dylan Johnson. Hey, how's it going? Good. Um, how many of you are first year students? And uh, Jack, you're the um, you're the, the student yeah. leader, aren't you? Sort of thing. Yeah, I am. So I've been at this camp. Uh, this is my fourth year this year. Okay. So yeah, I've uh, seen and done a few things <laughs> at this camp. Excellent. So how did you first get involved? So uh, I got introduced to this camp through the Airways program. So I got a um, scholarship through my father to come to this camp, and um, just sort of wasn't really knowing what I could expect, but. I'm back again year after year, so it's just an awesome ex experience all around the board, really, yeah. Fantastic. Where are you all from? So I'm from Christchurch. Hamilton. Nelson. Christchurch as well. Auckland. Right, so quite a mix, really. Some of you come a long way. Yeah, people come from all over New Zealand to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, did, how did the rest of you all get involved? Um, just through Scouts, pretty much. Um, just one of those opportunities that uh, I got... Uh, accepted to apply for a scholarship and managed to get it and yeah now I'm here two years in a row so yeah. Uh, my sister and her husband are both pilots and they were friends with some of the instructors from here and they recommend me coming so, so I'm here. Um, I went through the scout aviation schools and it kind of feeds through into here so I already knew a couple of the instructors and the kitchen ladies and things and they recommended that I come. Sure. Yeah both my sisters went here and they said it was a great experience so I thought I might tag along. It's interesting there's a lot of family connections within this and even with the instructors some of them their fathers have come along here and it, it, it is a family atmosphere isn't it yeah it really is um we get basically a giant family aviation is yeah just like a big family and you know someone who knows someone who's you know here but pretty much so it's yeah pretty cool experience so you've obviously uh been flying for a while jack yeah so um i've just finished my first year um down in christchurch at the international aviation academy of new zealand so I um, have my PPL, um, yeah, and looking this year to hopefully finish off my CPL as well. Hmm. Yeah. And how about your, your uh, flying jacket? Uh, yeah, so I've been here twice and that's pretty much all I've done. Yeah, got about 15 hours and just, yeah, keep keep going, keep trucking along to get the PPL and uh, carry on, yeah. But what, where do you want to go in the future with flying? Um, hopefully be a pilot, that's that's the ultimate goal. So yeah, just keep keep trucking along and doing what I need to do and get there hopefully at the end, yep. Uh, well, commercially or recreational? Yeah. Commercially, yeah, commercially at the end. And? Yeah, so for me, this is my first time flying. I've done about 10 hours over the past week, a few weeks here at WASH. Um, and I want to continue and get my PPL over the, this next year and hopefully become a pilot for Air New Zealand. Right. Had you always wanted to get into flying? or? Yeah, I've, I've always loved flying. It's only just been the last year that I've really started to um, get into it. But I think this is a really good opportunity to start and so glad I'm here. Cool. And what about you, Ella? Um, well, next year I want to go to the Christchurch Aviation Academy as well, where um, Jack's just getting his first year. Yep. Um, aim is to get my PPL next year and then hopefully CPL after that. Yep. And get into airline flying? or? Yeah, I've always wanted to. I'd love to be a commercial pilot. Fantastic. And Dylan? Yeah, this is my first year at the school. I've done about eight hours. So hopefully in the near future I can get a PPL and hopefully go on and do commercial flying. Okay. Have you soloed yet? Yeah. I did it yesterday afternoon. What was that like? Oh, it was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
<laughs> actually, all of you, tell me about your solo. Um, I actually just went for a solo flight oh, an hour ago. I'm getting my consolidation done. Um, my last consolidation flight will be this afternoon, and then I'm free to go off into the training areas and work on my hours. Excellent, excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I solo two days ago, and it was the most amazing experience so far. It was so exciting. I was so excited to do it, and just like such an awesome feeling afterwards. Brilliant. Yeah, so I had my first solo last year, and yeah, that is the craziest thing. It's honestly the craziest thing being in control of a plane. Um, nothing that I ever thought I'd be able to do or get to do, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I do you saw remember yours? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, I still remember it. Uh, it was first flight of the morning, you know, dawn. Uh, I think my instructor just said, well, I'm tired, I'm just going to hop out and you're going to take it around the circuit. So, went up, came back, landed, and here I am now. So, yeah, Fantastic. it went pretty well. Fantastic. Because, like, you don't think about it, like, you know, you're going around the circuit and they're like, oh, yeah, and they're like, oh, by the way, I'm jumping out, have fun. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, there's no warning. They don't tell you. That's brilliant. What, what about the um, the cost of the school? Do you think it's uh, it's reasonable for teenagers to be able to afford? Uh, definitely. Compared to what flying costs at, um, well, anywhere else really, um, a lot of it is subsidised here from um, companies offering funding and there's a lot of scholarships available. So it's pretty easy considering how much it would usually cost to like, get the hours that we've got in here. How do you go about getting the scholarships? You got a scholarship? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did last year, and oh, just through connection. So if you go on the their website and stuff, there's um, there's stuff around there. Scouts, whatever you're involved with, there's um, there's plenty out there. You just have to look for them. But yeah, they're everywhere. Okay. Yeah. And also, um, in order to get here, have have any of you like sort of been working and saving up to get here? Yeah. yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, so I actually worked at McDonald's um, just as a, as a first job, which is actually really good. Um, they taught me how to be a barista there, so I was in the McCafe, which is good. And um, yeah, just saving up to come here. Cute, you mean Simon and Mac is good? Yeah. It can be a girl. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to get a full scholarship to come last year, so everything was fully subsidised. But um, I worked at both Maccas and um, House Pizza. Uh, to save up to come this year, yeah. Actually, that's that's uh, something we should all think about in the future when we go to McDonald's. They're, they're not just people behind the counter, they're future pilots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all three of us. Oh, four? <laughs> yeah, I think there's four. I think there's four people here, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. When you first arrived here, what was your initial impression? Were you, were you sort of nervous and worried about starting to learn to fly? Um, for me, I was definitely nervous before I came, but they organised for people to take, um, Auckland students to take people from the South Island here, so I signed up for that so that I could kind of just make a friend in the car, which it turned out really well because we clicked in the car and got, we were both really nervous, so we got to talk about everything and then arrived together, which was really good. And then we got here and straight away the flight leaders are talking to you, like super excited, getting you pumped and so super friendly, like everyone's wanting to help you set up your tent, which was really awesome. And what, what about uh, just living in tents for two weeks? Is that, uh, is that a new thing for most people? No, the glamping here is so, so real. I mean, compared to like scout camps where you've got like, say like six people in a six person tent with like one little stretcher, like everyone here is encouraged to get the biggest tent you can get your hands on with the biggest bed, bring as much as you can possibly fit in your car. Um, yeah, and everyone helps you set up, everyone's really welcoming.
Yeah, well, I bought a hammock this year, so there's no real restriction on what you can bring. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Um, it is quite different, especially if you're not, um, you know, you're not a tenting person. And it can be quite tough on some people just being their first time sometimes away from your parents. Yeah. And then even though it's your own little area, it can sort of kind of feel like it can be a bit small. But you get used to... Um, or you, like you make friends, you get used to it, and then basically you you spread out your area now becomes your flight line, and then you become the tent city as your area, and then the whole camp becomes your area just as you get to know people and get more comfortable around others. Yep. Yeah. Right. Is there a, also um, you know little uh, camp romances blossoming amongst the teams? Mm. <laughs> Every year. Yeah, Every year. <laughs> I'm going from you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, it happens every year, but we have this thing called Dad's Rules, which is no drugs, alcohol, discrimination, or sex, and that lasts for the duration of the two weeks. So, even though a lot of people do try, um, no, they're very, very watched. All right. Okay. As you can probably confirm. Yeah. <laughs> So all the parents out there can rest assured that sending off their teenagers to the camp, they're, they're going to be looked after. Yeah, no, they definitely are. 100%. And the flat leaders are really on top of everything as well. He was, um, Jack was my flat leader last year, very on top of everything. They always know what's going on and they're really close with their flight, so everyone sticks together really well. We've just got a Nanchang running up next to us, that's why it's got loud all of a sudden. Yeah. So what, what are your actual duties as the... Um, senior student here? So my job basically at the camp is that I act as sort of kind of um, like a channel for communication between I guess you sort of kind of call it the adults and then the kids. Um, so I make sure that what the adults looking in terms of the big picture see is sort of carried out in little stages throughout the students. So that might just be checking up the flight leaders to see how their like day-to-day -day duties are going and then um, in with like students just see, you know, are they feeling all right? How's their flying going? And then again, maybe with like the flight commanders. So the instructors just to see, does anyone sort of kind of need like an extra push or is someone going really, really well with flying? Yeah. Cool. So um, it's connected with the Scouts. Are you all members of the Scouts? I am. I am. Yeah. You go. So two out of five. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So big mix, it's a mix. There's, uh, there's about, it's about, oh, I would say half-half almost, not, yeah, a big mix of in and out of scouts okay. that come. So, um, each of you, tell me about your instructor and, and uh, how, you've, um, how you've got on with them and that. Uh, my instructor, James Hilson, is a very, very nice man. Uh, yeah, he just sort of forces you to work hard and but he's nice to talk to occasionally. <laughs> yeah. And then once you get it he sort of just makes you do everything because what just helps you fly and then eventually you go solo. So yeah. Excellent. Um, my instructor is Andrew Sims or everyone calls him Simsy who you just heard um, taking the name chain. He's one of the only pilots here who was type rated in it. So he's constantly flying, taking people for flights and yeah, he's an absolute lad. Um, <laughs> uh, for the returns dinner at Arkley, uh, 
yeah, he was the instructor that brought the super long straws to steal other people's drinks and the silly <laughs> string and the horn and yeah, he's great. Love him. Fantastic. Uh, my instructor, Carlton Campbell, has honestly been the best instructor ever, like throughout this whole camp. He's just like come up beside me and made sure I understand everything we're doing after each briefing. We got for a flight so I understand what I'm doing and he's always like making sure I know what's happening. I don't know, I don't know. He's just he's just such a good guy. Like he just it's been such a, yeah, it's real good. Yeah, myself, I have Lucian Clark, absolute legend. Um, <laughs> it's good, he's uh, he's not, we don't have a huge age gap, you know, maybe four or five, oh, three or four years, what, I don't know. But, um, yeah, so you can get on the same level. You guys, um, you just hang out and he's just a good lad. Also takes it very seriously and teaches me what I need to be taught and make sure I'm doing it right. And, yeah, it gives me gives me a good amount of freedom, so yeah, he's a good rooster. Good rooster. Excellent. Yeah, my instructor's uh Sam Watson and uh when I was in Abinitio he was a return. So it's um been quite interesting coming back this year to have him as my instructor. Right. <laughs> um no he's yeah, really professional, knows like sea cat, so he's still well read. Yeah. Um yeah, just really fun with the fly in the plane and you just know that if you're doing something right that it is right because he's got a real good feel for, you know, the the standard and uh, how you should be flying to that standard as well. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So that's a, that's a lot of um, very positive words about your instructors, and I think that's, that, that just goes to show, um, you know, the, the great rapport that the instructors have with the students here. And they love it. They, they love coming back here, don't they? We have one um, instructor here, uh, Jack Holworthy. He lives in Hong Kong. And he flies over every single year to be an instructor for these two weeks. Isn't that fantastic? It's amazing, yeah. What, what would you say to other young people out there um, about encouraging them to, to come and do this? It's definitely worth it. Like, regardless of how nervous you are about planes or the people that could be here, everyone's really welcoming. Um, there's always support. There's even um, Jill, our mummy. <laughs> Love her to bits. Um, she's always here for support as well. Um, everyone's always for whatever you need to make sure you're at home here for the two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just say like, even if you don't, don't don't think it's you or something that you've got no, it's just something random you want to do. Also, give it a go. It'll be like the best thing, best time. Something that not every every kid out there gets to do. Something very unique, and it could lead to um, infinite uh, possibilities in your career, and really opens you up to uh, new ideas and things that can be done. And if you do want to be a pilot, 100% come to kickstart your hours here because it's the best way to do it, I reckon. It's been amazing. Uh, yeah, it's a great experience. You can't really beat it anywhere else. It's good value for money and you get to meet a bunch of people. So, yeah. No, yeah, you'll... Um, if you do come, you will notice that once you've finished the camp that you have changed. You'll definitely become a better person because of it, just through the camaraderie and the you know just the get in and do it type of attitude that this camp really enforces on you um, and you will discover that you there's a bit more to you than you know that you might have uh, not seen before actually I, I just want to say I can see that right here because you went round and just said do you want it do you want it do you want it and everyone said yes 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 and you all sat down here with a complete stranger to talk about your experiences and very confidently so you know fantastic you guys are definitely um, I can see exactly what you're saying there. It, 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 it's that can-do, will-do attitude. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Thank you very much, everybody.
That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood.